Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is When God Knits by Pastor Sean Wood. I'm going to pray and then this morning we'll, we'll come around God's Word. Father, we thank you for this morning that we come together to celebrate Jesus. Thank you for that wonderful privilege and opportunity this morning. I pray that as we open your Word this morning, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds as we learnt yesterday. Renew our minds, we pray, in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. If you'd like to meet me uh, at Psalms 139, um, I don't preach from the Psalms very often. Uh, I don't no particular reason why, I just don't do it that often, but today we will. Uh, uh, we'll get to uh, the title later on, but Ravi Zacharias is one of... Um, Ravi Zacharias would be one of the leading speakers in demand today. He's an apologist, uh, which doesn't mean he's very good at saying sorry. It means uh, God uses him mightily to give a defence for the Christian faith. And Ravi Zacharias, it is a five and a half year waiting list. You have to begin now. You're lucky to get him in five and a half years if you would like to book him for a speaking event. Uh, So very much in demand. Great guy. Uh, Some beautiful insights. But he says that every single person has a world view and, and every single person actually does have a world view. In fact, Ravi Zacharias says, from Hitler to Hugh Hefner, there's a range for you, from Hitler to Hugh Hefner, quoting him exactly, so I'm allowed to say it, uh, everybody has a world view and whether you are, whether you are a Christian, whether you are a, uh, perhaps an atheist, whatever realm you fall into, you actually have a world view. And a world view is how you view this world, but also your worldview governs and determines how you operate in this world. Whether, you, you're, whether you're aware of it or not, that's the same for each one of us. And today I want to have a look at, uh, in a sense, kind of have a look at worldviews because uh, Ravi Zacharias says every worldview must answer four questions. The first question is origins. Every worldview, no matter what what you identify with or as, every worldview must ask and answer the question, where do we come from and how did we get here? Secondly, it must ask the question of meaning. Where do I find the deepest meaning and purpose in life? And it must ask the question of morality because a worldview governs how you operate in this world. Um, if we go back to a very prominent case, World War II, Nazi regime, they had a world view. What they did and how they conducted themselves was according to a world view, a world view of survival of the fittest, actually. And of course, the last one is destiny. I haven't met a worldview outside of the Judeo-Christian worldview, which is the, the God of the Bible, I have not met a worldview that answers the question of destiny very well at all. We have a, I believe we have huge problems. Most people have huge problems trying to answer those four questions. And I don't know, all the men will probably say yes here, but uh, uh, how many people here are aware with the Jason Bourne movies? The, the Bourne identity, yeah, I've watched uh, deeply theological movies. <laughs> but 
But it's actually interesting when you have a look at the storyline. Have a look at the storyline in the first movie. Uh, Jason Bourne, we, in the first movie, we see a guy floating on the ocean and then uh, he's picked up by some random fishermen, patched up. Fishermen are good guys. So they're picking up everybody, even the strays. But patch, they patch up the bullet holes in this guy, chuck him back on shore, and we begin to see that whatever's happened to this guy, he has no memory and no idea of who he is. He has a wallet in his back pocket. He has some random identification and he's trying to piece together, who am I? (laughs) Who am I? Where did I come from? What do I do for a living? And where am I going? He's trying to answer these questions. He's trying to piece it all together. He begins with what he has and, and as the movie goes on, he's sitting in a cafe with the little... He drives a Mini very well, by the way, if you've seen the first one. But he's sitting in a cafe with a young lady and he says, I'm sitting here now and I can tell you that that guy over there can handle himself very well. I can tell you that that guy there is a criminal. And he says, and I know that if, if I get into a fight, I'm going to pick that pen up off the counter. And then he explains what he's going to do. He says, but I don't know how I know all this stuff. And he begins to have glimpses and he begins to have flashbacks. And Jason Bourne, as the movies go on, interestingly enough, he begins to actually find out who he is. He begins to get memories and flashbacks of what his life actually was. And if if you've seen the movies, you know he was an assassin. And he begins to not like who he was and he wants to be distant from that. Do you know that every single person on the planet is just like Jason Bourne? Every single person on the planet kind of finds themselves in a place where I don't know who I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know how I'm supposed to operate. And the more we begin to see our real selves, just like Jason Bourne, the more we don't want to be like that anymore. We want to answer the question. It is only, for me personally, it is only in the Bible and in the person of Jesus Christ as we will explore today that we actually can answer those four questions of both origins, meaning, morality and destiny. If you are a male in Australia under the age of, I think it's 43 now, if you are a male in Australia under the age of 43, the greatest risk to your life is at your own hands. That's an enormous problem because I've seen how most men drive and it should be the other way around. But the greatest risk to your life is at your own hands. Uh, I've shared this before, but uh, one of the jobs I had when I was in Launceston was working in the, in the hospital. I used to clean on the children's ward. That's, that's not a very happy place to clean a ward, but what made it desperately unhappy was four rooms at the end of the corridor that were separated for adolescents that attempted to take their lives. Not only is that sad... What is even sadder is they are never empty. And the problem, I believe, is that people are looking to answer that last question, destiny. And when there's no horizon for anybody, life loses its meaning. It loses its purpose. A a little shepherd boy who would become the king of Israel, we'll learn more about him next week, but a little shepherd boy who would become the king of Israel wrote, I think, one of the most profound pieces of scripture, Psalms 139. If you've made your ways to verse 1, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. And the word know here is intimate, it is individual, and it's intricate knowledge. It's, It's known in the fullest sense. 
And this is, this is, Lord, you know me better than anybody else. This is, you have searched me and you have known me. If there are, if there are mariners here this morning, you may understand that if a foreign vessel floats into Australian waters and you board that vessel, there are three different levels of search. You can, you can do a, you can do a deck search. You can do a deck and quarters search, or you can do a below deck search, which means you search every nook and cranny. And uh, Tim Hawkins says uh, he explores, <laughs> for, for those that are wondering what a nook and a cranny is, but, but it, you can search every nook and cranny, and that's the kind of search that David's talking about here. David's talking about somebody that knows him probably better than he knows himself. And here's a truth I believe that this verse highlights. There is a deep desire inside of every single person to be known more than there is to know. We desire to be seen. We desire to be recognised. We desire for people to know we're here and know the inner workings, people who get us. David says, oh God, you've searched me. You've, you know every little nook and cranny of my heart. You know every desire as we're going to see as we work our way through this. He says, you know every desire, every thought. You've known me and you have searched me. And nobody knows us like God. But we need to answer the question of this you that David speaks about. David speaks about, have a listen. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise, rise up, verse 2, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That is a very sobering, sobering thought. Before I speak one word to anybody, oh God, you know those words. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. There is uh, a push today. If, if I was to walk down the street now and ask a bunch of random people, do you believe in God? Nine out of ten would say yes. Nine out of ten people will say, yes, God kind of makes sense. That there, that there would be a God, uh, but most people would say that this God is distant. That this God has just kind of created the earth and the universe and then disappeared and left us to it. That's not the God that David speaks about. David speaks about a God that knows you better than you know yourself. And we're going to see how he explores that further on. David says... He goes on to say, such knowledge, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it, verse 6. When David says, you hem me in, other translations, and we need to be careful with the Hebrew words, some of the ones we come across today, but, but he says, when you hem me in, he's talking about a hedge. It's like, God, you, you've created this whole world in which you are here with me and I am a whole world to you. You've hemmed me in before and before. You know, you, you know what's coming before me. You know what's behind me. You protect me and you keep me. You guide me. David is speaking about a God that is deeply, deeply personal. And when I have conversations with people about God, they go very, very well until we get to the person of Jesus Christ. And there's a reason for that. Because Jesus brings this so-called God who's way away in the distance and brings him right down here to a personal level where he relates to us. Where this God stepped into 
our shoes for a moment. David goes on and says, here's another sobering thought, verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? What Genesis chapter 3, <laughs> Adam and Eve, they sin, they go, they run, they hide from God, but there's nowhere that you can escape from God. God says to Adam, where are you? <laughs> who knows, I've said this before, who knows all of a sudden God didn't lose Adam and Eve. Who knows that he's asking that question, not looking for information, but he wants to expose something in Adam's heart. Where are you, Adam? Well, I ran and hid. Well, why would you run and hide, Adam? Because I've got sin. Something's, something's not right. But it didn't matter where Adam goes and it doesn't matter where anybody goes, you cannot get away from the presence of God. This God is not distant. This God did not set a set of random processes into being and then walk away and leave us to our own devices. That's not the God that we are talking about. We are talking about a God that is right here now. You can't escape his presence. Where shall I go from your presence? And the word presence in the Hebrew can also be translated face. I know when I love my foster mother, I've spoken about my foster mother before, I love her dearly, but she could cut you in half with a look. When we were in church, I think I've shared before, I started going to the Salvation Army because, why? Because there were some girls there. And a teenage boy was playing up, and my foster mother, beautiful lady, she used to always be singing up the front. And do you know she could cut me in half from the front with just a look? And... <laughs> I knew, and I think the world knew, this guy needs to calm down, otherwise there's going to be some trouble here. But when I was doing the wrong thing or when I was misbehaving, I wouldn't make eye contact. I didn't want to see her face because it imposes upon me, it exposes me. And people are running away from the face of God because the face of God exposes us. It's... It's like we're standing before an x-ray machine and nothing can, nothing can hide away from that. Where shall I flee from your presence? I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. <clears throat> if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Now we come to a set of scriptures which I believe are beautifully profound and help us to answer the first question of where did we all come from? This, what, what is highlighted here by the psalmist, I believe, uh, transforms how we relate to God, but it transforms how we relate with one another. He says in verse 13, he says, For you formed me, or you formed my inward parts. As we are reading these verses, and as we have a look at some of the words that David's going to bring out here, I want everybody to understand, if you take one thing away from what David is saying in these next three verses, take this away. There is not one single person on the planet that is an accident. You don't form an accident. You don't set a set of random processes into existence and then remove yourself but still knit every single person together. You can't do the both of those. 
This is speaking about somebody who has assembled us. The, the Hebrew word here, or the King James, the original King James says it, for you uh, possess my reins. And we don't use that word reins anymore. It's an archaic word, but it basically means kidneys. But, but the Hebrews understood that to be the seat of our desires and our attitudes. You, you know my inward workings. You, you, you have possessed, you have formed, you have fashioned all that is inside of me. Friends, the greatest news on the planet is not one of you are an accident. A, f- a friend of mine uh, that I worked with, he had a Down syndrome sister. And she was one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. Very simple, very open, very honest. And I learned something through her that stuck with me, and that is God does not make any accidents. Uh, I, I reflect on that beautiful girl and I think to myself, we could all do with a little bit more of their attributes. I learned so much from being able to know her. And uh, most, most Down syndrome people die early. She lived to almost 50. And it was an amazing gift. And I learned, God, you don't, you don't make accidents, you teach us. What a beautiful person she was. You formed my inward parts. Let's, let's move on to the next part where it says, he says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 says, who can tell a man how the bones come to the spirit in the womb? Who knows the mysteries of God? I have no intention of a birds and bees talk this morning, but just, just ponder the miracle of birth and babies for a moment and tell me if you can really work out how that all happens. What a miracle we hold in our hands. And I know many people have said, uh, you know, you Christians are you Christians are intolerant, you're, you're against abortion and, and you're against euthanasia and you're against same-sex marriage. It, that, you've missed the point. I'm not a, it's not that we're against everything, it's because we're for life. We want to hold on to the sanctity of life. God is knitting people together in the womb. How dare we cheapen that? How dare we say to another person, because of your heritage or the colour of your skin, you are a lesser person than me, when the same God with the same fingers puts them together miraculously in the womb. How dare we cheapen that? David says, You've, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. That word knit is to cover or to clothe in the Hebrew There are those that would tell you, uh, Richard Dawkins would tell you, and Sir David Attenborough would tell you that every person is the product of blind, random chance. Just a bunch of processes that came together over a period of, I don't know, I don't care how many years you want to propose, there is no possible way that what stands before us can just come together. That it can just... Charles Darwin said... The man that invented evolution and the theory of evolution, he said, if anybody ever proves the complexity of the living cell, my whole theory falls down. Because why? Because it has to be simple to be able to jump species. Can't do it. God 
has created us. You are not the process of blind, random chance. You are the product of a living God who puts you together just the way you are. And I think that's worth hanging on to. And I think that's worth protecting. And I think it's worth praising God for. I praise you, says David, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to read a quote to you from Charles Spurgeon. I I copied it so that it was word for word. Charles Spurgeon says, in light of this verse, he says, Who can gaze even upon a model of our anatomy without wonder and awe? Who could dissect a portion of the human frame without marvelling at its delicacy? And trembling at its frailty. The psalmist had scarcely peered within the veil which hides the nerves, the sinews, and the blood vessels for common inspection. The science of anatomy was quite unknown to him, and yet he had seen enough to arouse his admiration of the work and his reverence for the worker. The human body is not an accident. The human uh, brain, as we learnt yesterday, is not an accident. You can't study the human brain and walk away with the conclusion that's just a bunch of cells that jump together out of a primordial swamp somewhere. Does not make sense. You need more faith to believe evolution than you do to believe in the God of the Bible. We live in a culture that will question the Bible, silence the Bible. We don't want to hear the word of God, but we don't question evolution. We just teach it in our schools. Every single person. This changes how we, this this changes how we view every single person. Why? Because every single person was made and fashioned to the hands of God. As the sign says, everybody matters. Everybody matters to God and everybody should matter to us. The human body extends beyond all explanation of chemistry and evolution and rests solely in the hands of a glorious creator. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, says the psalmist. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Wow. I love these next two verses. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Intricately woven. Uh, Ravi Zacharias uh, writes a book called The Grand Weaver. If you have read the book, The Grand Weaver, uh, then please grab yourself a copy of the book. But uh, Ravi Zacharias, in this book, The Grand Weaver, he explores all the threads, as he says, of our lives. You know, the threads of our upbringing, the threads of our culture, the threads of our education. And, and, and all of this, he says, is like God beginning to weave a tapestry. And it all actually matters. And, and he highlights it beautifully with the picture of tapestry. If, if you were to have a look at the back end of tapestry, If you were to be able to see behind the picture, you would just see a blank canvas 
with a bunch of random threads running all over the place and none of it makes sense. Anybody ever looked at life and thought, it looks like the back end of that tapestry? Anybody ever, ever got to a point where you thought, God, uh, what is going on here? My life looks like a bunch of random threads and I can't make any sense out of it. And, uh, there's suffering involved sometimes. There's, there's heartache involved sometimes. There's hurt involved sometimes. And, and God's weaving all of these. And if we could just for a moment peer on the side that God's looking at, we would see a masterpiece that he is creating. And we miss it because we're looking at random threads and God's asking us, trust me, I'm the grand weaver. Delicately weaving all the threads of your life. The psalmist says, I am intricately woven. If you could meet me in John chapter 1, life offers a lot of questions. Sometimes those questions are hard to answer. But I want to introduce you to the way that we can answer the four questions I posed to you this morning. If you're asking questions concerning your origins, if, if you're asking questions concerning morality and meaning in life and your destiny, I want to introduce you to the one that answers all your questions. In John chapter 1, in the very first verse, John says, these are echoes of the book of Genesis. He says, in the beginning was the word. Words express thought. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God says John, and the word was God. Very important. Make no mistakes. Jehovah's Witness changed that to was a God, saying he was created. Incorrect. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Speaking about Jesus. The Gospel of John is written to two main audiences. The first one is the Jews. John is writing to Jewish people saying, come on, guys, everything you're searching for in the prophets lies in the person of Jesus Christ. But, but he's also writing to the Greeks. And if you know anything about the Greeks, they're lazy. But apart from that, if you know anything, they're not really. But, but apart from that, these guys used to sit around and think up and, and talk. They're always talking about the meaning of the universe and, and, and how do we find and, and what's the explanation for this? And there's a reason. The Greeks could see... Logically and reasonably, they could see that there was order to the universe, that there was design in the universe, but they couldn't explain it. And John writes to both of them, the Jews who were searching the scriptures, and he writes to the Greeks who were sitting around talking all day, and he says, I want to introduce you to the word. And in the Greek, the word is logos. And the, the meaning of that word is the ultimate explanation. And what John is saying to the Jews is, is you're looking for explanations amongst the prophets. You're searching the Messianic Psalms. You are searching Isaiah. You are searching Jeremiah. You're looking to see if everything lines up. I want to tell you the one that you are waiting for, the, uh, the kingdom that you have been waiting for has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Saviour, the promised one that would renew all things. He is the ultimate explanation for everything you're looking for. But then he says to the Greeks, 
He says, you guys that can observe the design in the universe, you guys that can, that can look at how everything works and you can see the order, not the randomness, but the order and the design, and you're trying to explain it all, game over. I've already explained. It's Jesus. He says, Jesus is the ultimate explanation, and it arrested their attention. Paul walks into Athens. Acts chapter 17, Paul walks into Athens and he walks through and he says, I see uh, all of your altars, I see all of your idols, but he says, I see that there was one there to an unknown God. Smart man, Paul. And he says, I want to tell you who that unknown God is. And they listen to all of his talks and they're da, da, da. But when he says, Jesus was risen from the dead, they said, we want to hear from you again tomorrow. Why? Because if this man's risen from the dead, our search for, for all the answers is over. We've found it. And they said to Paul, you come back tomorrow. And the Areopagus in Athens was like the, where all the, the great thinkers were. And they said to Paul, they said, you come back tomorrow. The psalmist wrote so beautifully and so profoundly many, many centuries ago about how God individually, personally has constructed each and every one of us. He has put us together. He has knitted us together. Life and our worldview has four questions it must answer. Life has many questions. And I want to tell everybody in this room, stop looking. The ultimate explanation is the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know where your origins lie, look to the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know where all the meaning and where all the purpose in life is, you will find it in the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know about how Jesus has determined we should govern our lives and what morality looks like, look to Jesus. And if you want a destiny, a hope and a horizon, look no further, friends. We have the ultimate explanation. Thank God for Jesus Christ. To a world 2,000 years ago, to a world that was reeling and asking questions, John cuts right through the middle and says, here's the answer to all your questions. And right now, in 2019, when so many people have questions, when nobody can find hope, the Word of God still cuts through and says, there is one who is the ultimate explanation. Verse 9, I want to read you some scriptures. This is one of my most favourite chapters in the Bible, John chapter 1. But If I can pick it up in verse 9, have a listen to some of the words that John uses. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Still the case today, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But, some buts are glorious, Terry, and this one's a beauty. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, not slaves, not servants, children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you were born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh. This ultimate explanation became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. John should know he was on the Mount of Transfiguration 
We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Verse 16, And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And the language in the Greek there is like, if you can imagine waves on the seashore. Ever stood on the beach and realised that the waves never stop coming? John wants everybody to know when he writes this chapter, grace never stops coming. It has no end. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. Friends, no matter where you are today, I want to introduce you to the ultimate explanation. Whatever answers you're looking for, I want to introduce you to the ultimate explanation. And if that's you this morning, don't leave here without talking to somebody. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that each and every one of us in this place are so fearfully and wonderfully made. There is not a single person that is an accident. There is not, there's not a single person that is not known and not seen by you. I pray that every person in this room would taste and see that the Lord, he is so good. Jesus, I pray for eyes to be opened. I pray for hearts to be opened. I pray for answers, for questions to be answered. I pray for those who are lost, that they would be found of you, I pray, O God. I pray for those that are wounded, that they would find healing. And I pray for those that are looking for a horizon, that they would see Jesus. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your individual, intricate weaving of our lives. We hand our lives over to the Grand Weaver in your wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.